All right, welcome in. It is the week 16 version of the Fezzik Focus Pod here on the RJ Bell's Dream Preview podcast feed. Pregame.com is where you can find us at. I'm AJ Hoffman. He is the only two-time, two-time Super Contest winner, Mr. Steve Fezzik. Steve, how you doing, bud? I'm hanging in there. It's Christmas week. It's been, this always happens. End of the season, I'm running on fumes. You're fighting the good fight, and that's what that's what we're all trying to do, man. Uh, let's start, well, how we've been starting with a Fez tale. All right, let's go back to the great win promotion in video poker in the mid-2000s where they paid double on quad sevens and quad eights. So video poker, if you're interested in playing video poker, there actually are, believe it or not, video poker pros. And the way they make money is they basically exploit, take advantage of promotions, et cetera, to the point where they'll look for escalating jackpots um, that get high enough that they have a positive expectation. And they'll try to couple that with certain promotions and, it's not unusual with comps and cashback that they might give away some cars and the like, and they get tons and tons of raffles. Uh, Gene Scott, the, the queen of comps, has written about that Bob Dancer. Go and query Bob Dancer video poker. He'll set you up, and you can play some video poker, get some really nice comps. But 9-6 is like the engine that most people play. That's the jacks are better. 9-6, where the flush pays 6, the full house pays 9 most machines don't pay 9.6, they'll pay 8.5 or less, and then you're at a significant disadvantage. A 9.6 video poker, jacks are better, is like 99.4%. But what the win did, and they hadn't been open that long, they paid double if you got quad sevens or quad eights. And that put, pushed the odds in your favor, not greatly in your favor, but a little over 100%, given that amount. And every time you got quads you called them over and they verified and gave you the bonus and the like on that payout so it, what was great about this is you're, so you're playing at an advantage but the win is such a nice property and so all of a sudden you can become a whale so you can just play and there was some limit in terms of how many um payouts you could have but it was pretty substantial on these quads and so my wife and i i i don't think we made any money playing the, the video poker, we basically broke even, lost a little bit, but the comps were so good. Being able to go to all these wind restaurants, and they're all spectacular, whether you yeah. go to SW Steakhouse or Sinatra's or Switch at the time, and we got to eat at all of them and stayed a few times in the Tower Suites. And here's the problem with it. The problem is almost like you never want to have, like, a really gorgeous girlfriend because she'll ruin you for life, you know, because you'll look back and, like, oh, you know. Maybe not so good. Everything after that, that, you know, that relationship. Well, after staying at the Wynn and eating at all the Wynn restaurants, everything kind of pales in comparison. It's my favorite property. The the Palazzo and the Venetian would be behind that. But um, the Wynn and then the Encore, which is Encore is a little bit, I think, more... I don't know if I want to use the word feminine, but it's it, it's a it's a great property as well. So having been been able to take advantage of all those comps has spoiled me. That all of a sudden the all you can eat steak and egg specials are not quite nothing's as good. doing it for you anymore. Yes. I, I can see that. All right, let's get into this week's action, and it's bowl season. You mentioned it's Christmas week, so the bowls are in full effect. I'll, I'll tell you this: one of my favorite bowl games is going today. You think that unders are going to have some value? Yes. So I don't have the exact numbers, but if you've been betting bowl unders, you're bankrupt right now. <laughs> yeah, all, everything's over. Every game seemingly goes over. 
And because of that, there's going to be inflation as we continue along with the bowl season. The numbers are going to start going higher and higher. So I'll predict uh, maybe 52% unders the rest of the way. But I think if you selectively can find a game that is an under, you can really find outstanding value because everyone now, the public, is looking to play overs in all of these bowl games as we move forward. So because of that, um, the narrative is, oh, got to play bowls over. So look for selective unders, and I think you'll be able to turn a profit, especially if you're selective. I think there's some games in the game that I've been looking at today. I, I uh, my, my favorite game of, of bowl season was Army and Mizzou. I like Army minus three and a half. And you win the entire world. Apparently. Yesterday, uh, Beatty, the running back for, for Mizzou, says he's not playing. So mm-hmm. that line goes from three and a half to six and a half. Which is, I think, fair. And now I started thinking about the total, and I, I think Army can score every time down. I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, they played Houston in this same bowl, and Houston couldn't stop the run, and Army had 10 possessions in that game and scored 70 points. Kind of an ideal spot where we've got one team that's running every play, and Houston run and shoot, and that's what they see, right? So they're throwing yeah. every down, so the defense has, doesn't see them practice yeah. on either side. So both teams should score, right? Well, But with Mizzou... No running back. They're a running team to begin with. They're, they changed quarterbacks. They're starting a, a freshman because Basilic has been so terrible. So I started thinking, well, it could be an over for Army, but I don't want to have anything to do with Mizzou scoring point. I, like, I think there's some of these games, Western Michigan's another one later on, that team totals, I think, have some real value if you can get at them that way. I think the the live wagering in a game like that can be absolute gold because Army is not going to score quickly. So... If you're playing team totals and you can shorten it into playing quarters as the game progresses and you can get a flow of the game, I think you can find selectively the right time to play a first quarter under, a first half under, a third quarter under. I, I got to tell you, I love playing live wagering Army-Navy games because what am I looking to avoid when I live wager? Plinko. Plinko, randomness. The puck falls into one bucket or another. Well, Not much Plinko with Army-Navy. Yeah, Western Kentucky, SMU. Those teams have a whole lot of playing. Oh, meaning yeah. A team's got the ball in their own four, and you get up to get a drink and you come back and they just scored. Yeah. Um, that doesn't happen with Army. Army, everything is pretty much progressive, slow, and steady. So the one game it wasn't was the Wake Forest game, and Wake Forest, they're also Plinko Masters, and that game right. just got and Army was they just were having two play drives that scored touchdowns, which is rare for them. So like by by example, I'll throw one out. Army's playing Navy and Army has the ball at midfield and there is five minutes left in the third quarter. There is no scenario Army loses the third quarter. Okay, there's a scenario where they turn it over, but you see what I'm saying. It, it would take an act of God for Army to get stopped punt the ball, and Navy to be able to drive down the field. I did. I know there was one long touchdown by Army in that game, but there's just simply not enough time. So that's an example where normally, oh, how could I lay a money line? Like, I'm sure it would be like minus 400, and it'd be like because it's either going to be a tie or Army's going to win the quarter. There's Those are the only two possibilities in that scenario that, you know, that I laid out, other than of course, you can lay out a turnover or Army gets a fourth and two and they go for it and they get stopped and then maybe get some miraculous touchdown and a meteorite might strike the stadium too and wipe out all the Army players on the sideline. It's not going to happen. I wanted to ask you about this, and it's not on our little model here, but we'll we'll roll with the punches. How much do you account for 
like coaching motivation and what like a player's motivation to play for a certain coach or they've gotten rid of a certain coach. And there's two bowl games coming up uh, this week, Thursday and Friday. One is the Central Florida Florida game where the Florida players obviously quit on Dan Mullen this season. They didn't want to be with they didn't want to play for Dan Mullen. Mm-hmm. Dan Mullen's gone. Should we expect a better effort from Florida, or has that ship sailed? Florida's done with this season already. I don't know. Um, that's why I want to watch the first quarter and then bet. Well, once the game goes, obviously Florida analytically is really cheap minus seven, but Central Florida is going to play balls to the wall and be thrilled, you know, to to to, to beat the team that didn't recruit them and give them a scholarship. So you've got that motivation you know, coming back in the other direction of a, of a team that just isn't any good in Central Florida. Very difficult. Let's watch the first couple series and evaluate. And then the other game, Hawaii and Memphis, Hawaii's got some things going for them. They're playing at home in their practice facility. Uh, but, I mean, you could also say they're playing on Christmas Eve. Memphis is probably excited to be going to Hawaii to play a football game. But Hawaii, I mean, the players have come out publicly and said, Playing for Todd Graham is the worst thing. We don't like football anymore. Yes. Like that that just seems like if you've got to play a game on Christmas Eve, you don't get a trip out of it. You're playing in your practice facility. You don't want to play for your coach. Your your quarterback's out, your best running back's out, your best cornerback's out. Is there any motivation for Hawaii to show up at this thing? Well, the fact it's in their home venue means that they the players that do play won't quit. What's that line up to? Eight and a half. All right. So that's an example. What's changed since all the reports that no one wants to play for the coach came out two weeks ago? Just the announcement of Cordero saying he's not going to play their quarterback and and Day-Day Hunter saying he's not going to play. I'm just going back that the line was minus five. Right. Right. And basically this was all anticipated that there was a revolt. Yes. The Hawaii players were revolting and they're still revolting. Kane mutiny style. And now the line's eight and a half. So I, I go back to like, I used to be part of a, a betting syndicate. And if someone showed me a ticket, that said Memphis minus eight and a half, I would just start screaming at the person like, what the f- am I paying you for? You know, it's like you smoke dope for three weeks, go to Thailand, come back, bet, bet Memphis minus eight. It, it should, that, that eight should be a five and right. maybe it wins anyways. But, and you say, well, if it's the right side, you know, and Hawaii's not showing up well, I seem to remember, you know, Wyoming looked pretty good in their bowl game. I seem to remember this disinterested Hawaii team going to the snow in the mountains of Wyoming and kicking some serious ass. That was Todd Graham, right? Yep. So what happened in that game? It's a good question. <laughs> I mean, that that is one of the sh- most shocking results. Not so much a Hawaii got ahead, you know, 24-7, but yeah. they kicked Wyoming's butt the second half yep. as well. How does that happen? A team from the islands that hates their coach goes into the cold of Laramie, Wyoming in the altitude and – it's their Super Bowl. All right, let's get into the NFL. Uh, three more primetime favorites, and you think that there is good value on the dogs going forward off of this. The Vikings beat the Bears by eight, cover by one. Philly beats Washington by 10, they cover by a half. And the Rams beat the Seahawks by 10, covering by two and a half. Does that mean you think you think there's value on these teams that lost going forward? I think there's value in general just on underdogs going forward. So we had that week two weeks ago that the favorites twelve and one straight up, eleven and two against the spread. Don't have the exact numbers from last week, but the last three primetime games, I'm counting both the Tuesdays and the Monday. I'm not going to count the Monday two o'clock game because there was no clear favorite. That the fact that I could make a case the dog was the right side 
in all three of those games at Chicago, Washington, and Seattle. Maybe not Washington. That's that that's a stretch. But I certainly can make the case, given what we saw in those games, that the favorites at best should have been one one and one against the spread. And they 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 went three and zero straight up and against the spread, covered all the teasers. I think we're going to continue to just see excessive line inflation. And if you can spot a live dog, you can get great value. Example, the Detroit Lions last week. There are three double-digit dogs in the NFL this week. The Panthers, the Giants, and the football team. I assume at least a couple of those you've you've got an eye on. Yes, I'm, I'm watching all three. You know, the, the, the Carolina, um, th- this is kind of comical. How does that happen? That you, so their kicker gets injured in pregame warmups. I guess you know <laughs> what a dope. What a it's an idiot kicker. And so, but now idiot, you know Carolina. Oh, you know what? Our kicker got hurt, and so I was too busy, you know, on my PlayStation all season long to bother having a backup plan. You know, you've got a backup plan if your snapper gets hurt, if your holder gets hurt. Shouldn't you have, shouldn't you know what your best option is instead of, you know what, we're going to have open tryouts 20 minutes before the game starts. The fact they had the backup quarterback trying to kick extra points just to see if he could do they it. They should already know who the best backup oh. kicker is already. Uh, let's say your punter should be your backup your punter, place your, kicker. Your punter has to be able to kick extra points. If at not, least an extra point. I mean, he has to be at least like 60% on extra points. Yes, I've heard part of the problem is that usually the punter is is oftentimes the holder. So now you're losing two guys. But your backup quarterback should also be able to be a holder right. if necessary. Like these are things that I don't know. I'm, I'm with you. It seems like it's simple stuff, but I, I, I'm not sure where these guys, what the thinking is. So, the, so that's part of the reason Carolina didn't cover against Buffalo last week is that they, you know, they had to go for it on fourth down every time and with, with some limited success. So they got a couple touchdowns. But clearly, they would have gotten a 17 instead of a 14 had they uh, had a kicker. Let's talk about Christmas week in the NFL. What do you you see some difference this week versus a typical week? Yes, the fact that Christmas is Saturday, I'm thinking the road teams have the edge here on Sunday because you know what? You're going to be traveling on Saturday. You stay in a hotel and you're isolated from it. Versus if you're home. Now, all of a sudden, Saturday becomes a nightmare that you try to get in, you know, some little family time Christmas morning, I'm sure. And maybe I don't even know if these teams normally they, they, they stay in a hotel the night before the game. So probably everyone's going to be I'm sure they'll probably do the same thing and say, all right, everyone's got to check in, you know, Saturday night before the game, probably late. And they're probably giving uh, that there's prep for the game. I don't even know, but I'm sure that unless their coach is a complete Scrooge, that he's going to let the players spend a little time with the families on Saturday, Christmas Day. And I think that that's a big disadvantage for the home teams where the normal prep time is going to go into a distraction time. The the, the team's playing on Saturday. Uh, Browns, Packers, Colts, and Cardinals. Any of those guys strike you as a, a Scrooge? Maybe Frank Reich? Well, I think if you play... A little on, Scroogey? If you play on Saturday, I don't think it's that big of a deal. So if you play if you play on Christmas Day... Now, all of a sudden, well, we'll sell we'll you celebrate. Christmas in the evening. Yeah, or? if you're home, it, it's obvious. It's, but you're it, talking about the Sunday. I'm talking about Sunday because if the game's Saturday, you're like, you know what? 
you know, it's like, don't bother me. We'll do Christmas dinner after the game. You know, we'll have a late dinner. It's all fine. We'll open up some presents afterwards. You've got family time after the game. It's the Sunday that's the nightmare in terms of the logistics in my eyes. Well, yeah, and what receiver or running back doesn't want to eat a piece of pie? <laughs> you know, and then maybe maybe it turns into two pieces of pie. I saw then, that over at, at the at the Big Bear when you were you 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 had a pie the size of like a cantaloupe. Well, yeah, and I'm I'm built like an NFL running back, so it's very similar, <laughs> very similar. All right, uh, speaking of the NFL and and coaches and maybe Grinch cr- coaches, you and RJ have this in common about John Harbaugh. You you're not thinking very highly of him right now. You know, this was one of the most incompetent things that I've ever seen, and I know that RJ has talked about it's difficult to assess when it's right to go for two or when not to, and there's different models that sometimes disagree. We broke this down on Straight Out of Vegas yesterday. The, the Whatever you think of when to go for it, when to not, if you are going to go for it, though, go for two on the first touchdown and, you know, see what happens with that one before, yeah. Right, now be, now let's be careful. It's really high-level math, so hopefully, I know McKenzie's from Yale. He can follow us. Brad, maybe not so much. But, uh, wait, Brad, where'd you go? <laughs> the Academy of Art. UC Davis. Oh, that was it. Sorry, the Academy of Art beat UC Davis in a basketball game. <laughs> what, what, I, I got confused. What um, is the UC Davis? What is their nickname? The Aggies. So they just copied the most common Aggie. Yeah, they're what ca- it's Aggie? a cowboy. Agricultural school. So that's the, oh, the so deal. Oh, so it's a yeah. double meaning. It's, it's a, I mean, it, it's a cowboy that waters the lawn. It's it's basically like yeah, they most most Aggies have cowboy mascots, but it's it's like a yeah, the actual mascot's a horse, a farmer, or a ranch hand, something like it's someone who works the land. I'm sorry I brought it up. Getting back Good to call. The, getting back to the math. Uh, we're going to simplify everything. To, we're going to assume the teams are equal. I know they're not. Deal with it. Um, we're also going to assume the team that's down 14 is going to score two touchdowns and no one else is going to score during regulation. We're further going to assume that overtime's 50-50. I know that's not completely accurate. Deal with it. So if you go and it, we're going to assume 50-50 to get the two-point conversion, and if you kick, you get it every time. I know that's not accurate. Deal with it. The, um, the bottom line is, all right, if I kick the extra point um, – both times, I win 50% of the time, all right? If I go for two, if I kick the first time and then I go for two the, after the second touchdown, then I win half the time. Nothing changes. This assumes the second touchdowns with no time left on the clock, by the way. Now, if I go for two after the first touchdown and I get it, I win because now I can kick the extra point the second time. But if I miss it, I can still win by going for two the second time and winning in overtime. So now, essentially, I have a 5 eighths chance of winning instead of a 4 eighths. I've increased my win share by 12.5%. It is overwhelmingly strong to go for two after the first touchdown. You need to take that? So you've, I, I got to take this because it's like the best better in the world. But, oh, okay. but, 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 but he'll just hear me talking, and he'll know I'm on a podcast, and he'll hang up, and he'll just go ahead and text me because I always tell him text, text, text. Um, so <laughs> the, um, the, the bottom line is the um, 62 and a half versus 50, and I understand we're going to tweak all these assumptions and different things can happen, but it's not even close. So if you're gonna, if you want to, you're correct to go for two. Every model will say your chance of winning goes up by going for two, but you never go for two on the second touchdown. Everyone knows this. The Eagles started to do it with Doug Peterson. Everyone has gotten the memo on this. Apparently, except for Harbaugh, who is clever in some other ways, like with intentional penalties and things, but he just completely, like, 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 spazzed out and forgot about all. Now, this. is going for two? Is that in itself 
always wrong. I don't I don't believe that is true, right? Or is it just the way the order that they did it in? Like once you've gone for one, then like I mean, if let's assume you do go for one on the first touchdown, mm-hmm. is it always wrong to go for two, or do you just play for the tie every no, time? No, that can't it's be fi- right. It, it's fine to go for two after the second touchdown. Like if there's less than thirty seconds, if there's less than twenty five seconds left. All right. 42 seconds were left in this case. Right, right. And we'll, we'll, we'll address that. So it's fine to go for two the second time. But again, it, it, it's stupid because it, it might be better than kicking twice, but it's still far inferior to going for two the first time. So it, already you're, you're showing that, that you don't know what you're doing. Right. Now, the key here, you said there's 42 seconds left. So the problem here is it's never, I say never, I shouldn't say never, but I'll say it. It's never correct to go for two down one with 40 seconds left. Why? Because if you kick the extra point, you're losing. The other team has the ball. You're at, you're at a disadvantage. It's not a major disadvantage because they got to be really careful because they turn it over, you win. So they can't beat balls to the wall to try to score. And they'll run some screen passes and they'll move their offense. And sometimes they'll get in field goal position and score. But if you try for two and you miss, you lose. Assume you can't get the onside kick. If you get it, you don't win. You don't win at all. Now you got you got a, the other team is forty seconds. How often does a team score with forty seconds? Well, and Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. A third, I think. And with Aaron Rodgers, it's approaching fifty fifty. Yeah, it is really approaching. In in other words, if there's forty two seconds left, all right, I think I would bet Baltimore on the money line up one. If um, once Green Bay gets to like the thirty eight, you know they get one first down and there's thirty seconds left. Now all of a sudden I'm like, ah, pick them. You know, once they get to the 45, I think Green Bay is favored then to win. So um, because of that, you you know, you've got to factor that in. And apparently Harbaugh, so Harbaugh makes boom, boom, boom. He makes multiple mistakes in that he doesn't go for two the first time and he goes for two the second time. Both are egregiously bad. And I, I look at that and it's, it's similar. I use the example all the time in blackjack. I walk past a blackjack table. I see dudes stand on an A6. Thank you. You can't play. It's like there's I don't it doesn't matter what he does after that. It's it, it, it's just so incredibly stupid. And I, I use the the Jeopardy and people are like, how can you be smarter than an NFL coach in the entire organization? And I'm like, look, it. I watch Jeopardy. I watch Jeopardy for, for years. And, and and RJ always says, oh, no, you stole this off of Jeopardy, James. Bullshit. I've been I was on the love connection and I brought this up in 1995. So don't tell me I stole it from Jeopardy, James. He was. Eight. Is is uh, staying with a six okay if the dealer's showing a seven? No, it's horrendous. Okay. You have seven. Hit okay. the. F- I mean, I, I'm with you. I was just seeing if that was an example of something that's allowed. I don't know. <laughs> no, uh, because you have seven or seventeen. So it's probably you brought the example. It's the. It, it is interesting. That's probably the one time that's not horrifically bad, just bad. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll accept All right? that. So you, you picked out the the one time where you at least would think about like, okay, I could maybe maybe giving something up. Back to the Jeopardy example. These guys are Mensa members. They're a hundred times smarter than me. Um, the complete dumbos. You're not them. a Mensa member. In, no. In Final <laughs> Jeopardy, you have ten thousand. I have eight thousand. The third guy's got zero. All right. Even though I'm a Mensa member and a genius, and I can tell you what the capital of Louisiana. It's Baton Rouge, Cindy. Baton Rouge. The um, What is Baton Rouge? What is Baton Rouge? <laughs> I went back to a Brady Bunch episode. Even though I know that you're going to wager $6,001 as sure as the sun's going to shine tomorrow, you're going to wager $6,001. Somehow, I take that information. So the only way I can win is I need you to miss the question. 
So because I need you to miss the question, I basically have to bet zero or some modest amount. What I, whether I get the question right or not is irrelevant. I just need to win if you miss. So I got to bet small. And so they take all that information and know what they do with it. They throw it in the trash can and they bet it all because they have no idea what they're doing. And if, so if these Mensa uh, members can't get the most simplistic, you know, final jeopardy permutation right, how is a NFL coach that has to worry about who's going to kick if his kicker gets hurt and all the X and O's and who's picking up the double A gap blitz going to be able to figure out these game decisions? He can't. He needs Ernie Adams or someone to tell him what to do. And by the way, Belichick doesn't have our Ernie Adams, and I'm seeing chinks in the Belichick armor on a weekly basis. Some game decisions that were made that were not optimal uh, this Down last 13, game. he kicked a field goal. You know what? More and more, I'm thinking the genius just hired a genius, and Ernie Adams was telling him everything to do because he was wrong not trying to score at the end of the first half against Buffalo. Excuse me, great game plan, and he was horribly wrong kicking to go down 10 against Indianapolis. This is off script a little bit, too. Is there a player in the NFL right now not named Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady who's in the MVP discussion? Jonathan Taylor. Okay. Cooper you, Cup. Really? You think so? If what's what's let's look at a at a scenario. So let's assume Aaron Rodgers catches COVID again and has some fake vaccination card and gets banned, and Tom Brady Brady breaks. Well, I think I think uh, Aaron Rodgers has made it pretty clear he's not vaccinated. And, he's not worried about it. And, and let's assume Tom Brady breaks his collarbone. Or then, breaks a Microsoft Surface, which he did last week. All of a sudden, uh, we're not going to give it to Matthew Stafford. All of a sudden, one of those, the running back or the wide receiver wins it. But I think that that's their only path. They need both of those dudes to have complete uh, meltdowns or injuries. Justin Herbert, no chance? It's too good looking. Okay. Well, Tom Brady's not? Um, that's why Brady can win. Oh, okay. <laughs> but he, oh, uh, Bra- no, Bra- you see, Brady has that ah shucks good looks. Okay. You know, he doesn't have like He's ben, got Midwest good looks. Yeah, he doesn't have Ben Affleck, you know. Okay, he doesn't have Hollywood good looks. Right, that's where, what you're where I just saw Ben Affleck in in Boiler Room. Okay. God is he good in that movie. You, you saw that movie. I haven't right? seen that. You never saw Boiler no. Room? No. He's 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 ranting on all the salespeople. It's like Glenn Gary Ross type of style. Uh-huh. And, and 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 he's 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 like I you 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 call up a guy and he says, "What's the minimum I can purchase?" You know, zero. Zero is the minimum. <laughs> get them talking. Just get them ready to go. Walk around. Motion creates emotion. Don't just sit around on your hands. How are you guys not meeting your quotas? He's just, oh, he's tremendous. Uh, one guy we know is not going to win it is Dak Prescott, who was one of the guys who was looked at as maybe a possibility preseason. You think the Cowboys are overrated? Yes. Ask a rhetorical question. Are the Cowboys overrated? Are the Cowboys overrated, Steve? Well, if I threw you a lifeline, would you grab it? Yeah. Of course, ask him questions like that. Yeah, of course the Cowboys are overrated. So think about this. Three straight wins for the for the Cowboys. Well, they get the Saints or what was left of them on back and was that Thanksgiving? That seems like a hundred years ago. Uh so the Saints uh they turnover driven game for the Saints, Cowboys barely cover. Then the Cowboys beat the Giants and what's left of the Washington football team, both teams with backup quarterbacks. Both games, the Cowboys are like plus three in those games and turnovers. So what do all three of those games have in common? The Cowboys win by 10. The Cowboys, 10-ish. The Cowboys cover by one score. 
The Cowboys are plus three in every game in, in the turnovers. This team stinks right now. This team is, like, so overrated, and now they're coming off of three straight road games, and now they have the holidays, and they have a cupcake coach that wants to go to the Ponderosa and probably is going to give them a day and a half off because he wants to get massages. I mean, I can see the Cowboys just completely going into the tank against the spread until the playoffs, where, of course, they will lose in the first round. You say DraftKings, the party is done. You look sad when I say that. It is. So (laughs) it's no secret that the East Coast has revolutionized sports betting and FanDuel and Barstool and DraftKings and all these different organizations really did great offering up all this product. Well, Barstool, I don't know how long because I don't live in New Jersey, how long this has been going on, but they've been limiting bettors pretty severely such that like I'm talking about like Oh, yeah, you can bet on Tom Brady touchdown passes for $50. You know, you're getting tiny, tiny micro limits. And, but DraftKings was pretty much taking anything you wanted to bet forever from everybody. And that has changed. And now, just in the past two weeks, and I think, is it Dolan is the, is the part owner of DraftKings? I'm not sure. He came out and he said, you know what? We don't want winners. And then he backpedaled and he said, oh, I didn't mean that. He said, what, I, what we don't want is we don't want guys that are disrupting the, the proper business flow of this whole process like Billy Walters. You know, we don't want people phoning things up and betting the wrong sides of things. But what he really meant was we don't want winners. So if you haven't been betting at DraftKings, I'm sorry. Now, I would have said that this is your top priority to get on it, but it no longer is because once you win a modest amount, you will find your limits slashed to the bone now at DraftKings. Another, you know, I, I've, seen, I've seen this movie before. Um, when we saw Cantor Gaming come out to Vegas, you know, they beat their chest and were taking really enormous bets for a while. Um, and that ended ultimately um, for various reasons. But um, any book that takes really big bets, including props, is going to lose. And why are they going to lose? Because the number can be right and all of a sudden news breaks. And whoever gets the news first, they, the idiot kicker for Carolina's out. So someone's going to bet. What's Carolina's longest field going to be if you put that up? Well, guess what? It's going to go under because the kicker can't kick anymore. Bets like that. You just can't have high limits on prop bets and product or like who's going to have the longest field goal. I think the Bills are going to have a longer field goal. You know why? Because they have a kicker today and Arizona doesn't. Yeah, I actually uh, I got in on that. Someone, I, I have a guy who sent me that uh, heads up. Really sharp guy. You, you might... forwarded that to me, but I didn't see it, right? Uh, no, it, that was you who sent it. Oh, You're I You're the one who told me that, Fez. <laughs> Thank that God. was the joke. Yes. Uh, all right. Let's... I forgot I sent it to you. Good. <laughs> Your Circa Millions update. Where are we at? Oh, God. I'm four... Bad week? <sighs> yeah. I'm 47, 27, and 1. That doesn't sound bad. Three and two. So I go to pull up the standings. I'm like, I'm going to be borderline in the money. This is great. I won a Westgate contest 22 games above 500. That's at the end of the season. I was 53, 31, and one. And two, I'm sorry. I beat 300 people. All right. This is 2009. Now I'm 20 games above. So I'm on pace to be every bit as good as I was, was when I finished first. I am in 88th place. It is remarkable. It's hard to be 4,000 people. So when you think about it. And where's the, where's the line for money? 50. Okay. So when you think about it, maybe it makes some sense. It's like, well, wait, if I divide by 12, because, you know, 4,000 is like 12 times bigger than 300, 
well, then I would be in sixth instead of 80th, you know, and so um, and, and still be in a position, position possibly to win. So the bottom line is now I got to start looking at game theory. Might have to start um, foregoing the obvious plays um, like the Vikings minus three and a half. Um, and unfortunately, last week, you know, what bit me the football team. I played the football team plus nine because when I played it, the line was six and a half because it looked like they'd have their quarterback and they had to go with the much despised Garen Gilbert or whatever his name is. Garrett Gilbert. Yeah. They actually played. Garrett Gilbert actually played okay. No. I mean. Versus expectations. Versus yeah. expectations. Sir. They couldn't run the ball. They couldn't stop anyone. No. I saw 500 yards for the, the Eagles, you know, that. Um, and the, the Browns were another one where it felt like there was value on them. And then when Nick Mullins is a quarterback. Oh, man. Another another that was my other loser where I played the Browns were laying three and I got plus one and a half and I had to play it. And then, of course, right after I play the contest, uh, looks like Baker Mayfield's doing this, doing some other great commercial, you know, with the with the, with the singer from uh, from Kiss. And, and Case Keenum's got the Roni, too. Yeah, that's, a, that's actually Alice Cooper, not the singer from Kiss. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, I actually thought it was. I was wondering where Shannon Tweed was. I would have put her in the commercial. Okay, that makes sense. Now. So, what do you think you have to go for the rest of the season to finish in the money? Ten and five. Ten and five gets me in for sure. I think nine and a half probably probably does it. All right. Okay. But ten and five makes the playoffs for certain. And what would it take for you to to win? Is that out of the question at this point? Uh, it's Fifteen impos- and zero. It's impossible because the guy that's in first place. Uh, he's in first and second place. He plays the same entries on both. Why not? He goes 5-0 and every week. He is literally like 58, I'm sorry, like 56 and 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 19. So he's an unstoppable It's not possible. Force. It's not uh, Hannibal. Hannibal, it, it's like history. Remember Hannibal against the Romans? Mm-hmm. Imagine an elephant that like doesn't get bogged down in the mud and like has armor and their like their tusks are like swords. So think about what Hannibal's elephants could have done if that was what an uh, what what the animal was on instead. And they had machine guns on. Their <laughs> and they had machine guns on the on turrets on yeah, top of yeah. the elephant. Imagine that the Roman legions would have gotten slaughtered instead of the elephants getting stuck in the mud. So that would that's the difference. So Hannibal is is going through this contest like uh, like there is just no oppo opposition at all. So he's going to finish first and second. I am going to make a bold prediction. I'm going to make a bold prediction he doesn't win. Oh, really? Even though he has an overwhelming... How far is he from the next player that's not him? I believe he has a... You know, I'm not... I'm not... You know, actually, he might have such a lead. He's like four or five games. Maybe you guys can oh, look wow. that up. Um, Query Circa Millions, the PDF of the standings, because it really is just remarkable how far ahead he is. But he's like... In terms of his game theory and the like... He is not following the script. Of course, that's why he's hitting 80% in terms of just maximizing closing line value. So if he did that, I would say he's, he would be more likely to win. But there's zero chance he's ever going to do that. Why should he change? He's, dude is hitting 80% of the games and, that he likes. And as we've seen with the, with the Super Contest, the closing line value has not been what it once was this year. It's been a rough year for closing line value. Oh, by the, we've lost lots of games in closing line value, especially Arizona Cardinal games where it seems like every closing line value goes uh, in the drink. Were you able, guys able to pull up the standings? 55 and 20, any good? 50, oh, it's only 55 and 20. That's, that's, that's pretty darn good. So if he goes 5 and 0 oh again... He'll be at seventy-five percent. Well, who's in? Who's in? I know he's in second place. Also, who's in third place? 
Taco the Town, 52 and 22, and he had a push in there. So Taco the Town's three games out. You know, bold pre- and, and fourth, there's some guys with 51 and 51 and a half, right? Four guys with 52. All right, bold prediction. Hannibal will, will donk off the tournament. Oh, wow. He'll donk off the chip lead. Is he making a mistake by keeping his picks the same with both? Uh... Let's talk about that after the contest. Ends. Okay. Kind of like yes. how Hannibal kind of donked off the Mediterranean when you really think about it. Um, but the strategy did not work. Um, <laughs> in retrospect, taking elephants on ten on on three thousand mile you know journeys probably not your best call. No, they don't like that. It's kind of like the Antarctic when they used to bring horses instead of dogs. It, it, that didn't work out well, and they they learned. Let's wrap it up with this. Christmas week is obviously a it's a busy time for everyone. How does it affect you as a professional better? I want to ask you about this because I have no idea how people do this. And I'm going to ask Mackenzie also. Uh, I don't know how in a day-to-day sport, football's fine because, you know, they play once a week. But in a day-to-day sport like the NBA or college basketball, how can you possibly stay on top of everything that's going on when you're going to have days where these are family days and you've got functions and the like? It would seem to me that, like, New Year's Eve, you're going you're, you're gonna to wake up New Year's Day and say, I am hopelessly behind. I'm really not sure what happened in the MAC and what happened – um, in the ACC over the past seven days. Am I wrong? Uh, for me, you kind of are. I mean, there's bowl games at NFL this week, but college basketball this season, there's like a diamond head tournament. But other than that, it's it's a blank slate. They're, they've, they're off really until Tuesday. Everything kicks back up on Tuesday. Oh, so there's very limited number of very, games. Very, very few games. Oh, well, that's good. After, after tonight... Uh, it's a it's pretty dry for a while or after tomorrow night excuse me so yeah this is uh like sa- saturday sunday nothing by the way the diamond head classic i don't even know who's playing i think it's liberty i played it. i played the first game under because it, it's it's either i get the daylight savings wrong in hawaii it's either a 9 or 10 a.m. early start time in hawaii i can't imagine that there's more than 44 friends and family in, in attendance watching the game don't think so and so i, I an empty gym um, a squad that just arrived and is playing, you know, in Hawaii. I, I it sure has the look of the the, the five two at the first media timeout um, type of game, right? That would not surprise me at all. All right, that does it for another episode of the Fezic Focus. Always fun having you in here, Fez. Uh, God, we're running out of these weeks. It's uh, it's it's been a good good NFL season, and looking forward to having you in next week. Of course, you need to be subscribed to this feed. Uh, the golf pod, the NBA pod McKenzie's doing now, uh, the college basketball, college football pod. We just put out a bowl episode yesterday. And, of course, the dream preview uh, with RJ and Fez and myself, which will be coming up next on this feed. So appreciate all you guys listening. Hope you have a happy holiday, and we will talk to you next week. (laughs) 